Well, hello folks, this is Rico, and you're getting a special video cast this week on Treks in Sci-Fi. This is, uh, well, not podcast, but vidcast 293. Today is August the, let's see, 22nd, 2010. So uh, the, the show today is going to be a mostly uh, video from the Wizard World Chicago Comic Con that I went to yesterday on Saturday and uh, met up with Rick Pete and his son Ryan and some of his co-workers and uh, it was a <laughs> it was a very busy very long day uh, we've got uh, footage here or I've got some footage from uh, some of the panels people like Brent Spiner, William Shatner, uh, John Delancey and a few other little surprises in store for you to watch I'm really not going to talk too much once I get that uh, video started, but I'll give you just a little rundown uh, of the convention overall, at least my impressions of it. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, it was a bit crowded at certain points and times, uh, but uh, you know there were a lot of celebrities there. Linda Hamilton, uh, Michael, who's going to be on. Linda's going to be on this season of Chuck, and Michael Bean, and uh, who, who you know the Terminator pairing, both were there. James Marsters was there, a couple other Buffy uh, actor, actresses. They didn't speak. Nicholas Brendan and Claire Kramer were there. Uh, just lots of lots of celebrities, a, a huge dealer's room, and, and, you know, just the usual fun for us geeks. <laughs> um, a couple of highlights for me. I, I really enjoyed Brent Spiner's talk. He's just a funny guy. Uh, I think uh, he belongs on a comedy even maybe more than William Shatner. It'd be kind of cool if he could guest on... William Shatner's new uh, upcoming uh, uh, comedy that he's doing, you know, Bleep My My Dad Says, that's going to be on CBS this fall. So I thought Brent was great. John Delancey was good, too. Uh, it's uh, And I also have in here, I haven't checked the audio yet, so I'm not so sure how it's going to come out, but I got a chance to sort of do a really quick little interview with uh, Walter Koenig, who played, of course, Chekhov on the original series. It, it was a little awkward and a little difficult because he was right there just at his table where he signs autographs. It was noisy. I only probably had five or six minutes to talk to him. But uh, hopefully the audio isn't too bad. I'll try to include that here on the video cast. Maybe put a little picture of Walter and, and play the audio in the background. But, uh, you know, he's got a new comic coming out. Uh, and he's also republishing the one that he did years ago with Malibu called Raver. And I think he's going to do... Uh, extension on that as well. He's working with this uh, new uh, media company, I think it's called Blue Water Productions. Uh, I'll, I'll probably put more of that in the podcast notes uh, for this week, or the video cast notes, I should say. Uh, what else? Uh, it was, uh, you know, it was fun. I, I haven't been to a convention in a while. I, you know, most of the ones I've been to in recent years have been the Comic Cons back in Michigan that happen each spring there. And, and this was similar to that, but just a ton more people. Traffic was a little crazy. Uh, I just think they they maybe need a little bigger center to, to hold this thing in. They uh, It wasn't actually in Chicago. It was in this little suburb which is near O'Hare Airport called Rosemont. And uh, you know they did a pretty good job of directing traffic and people I thought. It was a little tricky at the beginning. But the you know inside they just didn't have the layout very good, I didn't think, for where the celebrities were signing autographs. They were sort of plumped down in the middle of the dealer's room, and there were some areas, especially around the Star Trek celebrities and where William Shatner was just signing kind of in the middle of that area, that created a huge amount of congestion uh, at certain times during the day. It was very hard. 
you know, you'd get stuck in a crowd of people and just couldn't move. But uh, but I had a good time. Got to listen to uh, some great people uh, speak, and uh, there, you know, the audience was really good. I thought that they were they were into it and had some interesting questions to ask. There was also the um, four of the final five uh, Cylon actor actresses there that did a little panel. I didn't really get much video of that, so you won't see that on today's show. Uh, what else did I want to say? Uh, it was good to see Rick Pete and his son. You know, we, we kind of hung around a little bit and uh, did a few different things. He had a seat closer up front. If you go to uh, the Trex and Sci-Fi forums, you'll see some pictures up there from myself and from Rick and links to where you'll be able to see others. I, I got to put the rest of mine up still on Flickr. I think Rick put his up on Facebook, but all that information is on the forums. So check it out there. I will also try to put links to that stuff in the podcast notes for this week as well. Um, and what else? Like I said, I'm not going to talk too much. I may have some little captions underneath some of the some of the speaking and the video that I'm going to include here. Oh, I know what I wanted to really say about the video that you're going to see here. Most of the actors, actresses didn't really seem to have a problem with it, so I tried to, to respect their wishes. Adam West and Burt Ward, Batman and Robin from the 60s TV series, spoke, and they uh, announced before they came on that they didn't want any photos or video, which kind of shocked me. No photos of them up there talking. I, I've never, in, in all the conventions I've ever gone to, photos are usually not a big deal. Uh, video I can kind of understand a little bit, but no photos just seemed a little like an odd request to me. Uh, no one else said anything like that. Most of the the, this, the Trek people didn't, didn't care at all. No one said, you know, anything. Brent kind of made a few jokes about it during his talk, but he didn't seem to really care. I think he was just being, you know, there was somebody near the front that was uh, videoing his talk, and, and they, he, he called out to security a few times during the talk, but I don't think he really minded. Uh, and, you know, it's it's... It's fun. No one's really doing this to try to make a buck off their their likenesses or anything like that, I don't think. But there are a lot of people who can't go to these things, so that's why I'm trying to share this with you. What I wanted to say is I, I took almost two hours of video. I'm not at all going to include all that on today's video cast. I'm going to try to include little portions of, of the different people that spoke, but I will try to uh, put the entire parts in. Most of them, like Brent, John, William Shatner, I, I probably recorded most of it. You'll see a couple of breaks and a couple of pauses during it, but I will put the rest of it up, the fuller, uh, the more full interviews uh, and panel talks that they gave. Not really interviews, I guess, but I will have that up on uh, my YouTube site uh, fairly soon. I think my YouTube handle is TrekSF. I can never remember, but I'll, again, I'll put links in the, in the uh, video cast notes for this week so you can check all that out there. That'll probably take me a few days to get up. I want to get the video cast out first, which is going to just give you a portion of each of their talks. And I, I think that's about it. I didn't really buy anything. I bought a t-shirt. Uh, Rick Pete bought a few things. I know he got a really cool uh, Hero Nakamura sword from uh, you know that he used in the TV show Heroes. I was tempted by that, but we went over to the dealer and he was all out. So maybe I'll check on eBay or online sometime. It's a really nice piece that he got. I don't know, after years of collecting stuff and you go through these huge dealer rooms of, of memorabilia and collectibles, I have kind of haven't bought a lot in the last year or two, and, and it's kind of maybe, I don't know, I just don't seem to be all that interested in it. I like still getting some of the high-end stuff, uh, you know, some of the props and replicas that way, some of the statues and things. But the other thing about a convention, even though most of the dealers would hold your item for you, I, I didn't really want to 
have to worry about bringing it back or going to get it and all that. So that was another reason. And it's kind of, frankly, kind of expensive to some of that stuff is too. So uh, just got a t-shirt, Wizard World, which I should have probably put on for the uh, video cast. Maybe I'll, I'll do a Rico Cam picture later of it. But uh, uh, it was fun. I, I'm kind of a little worn out today, frankly. I hope I don't seem too tired or anything. I'm, I'm okay. Um, that's about it, folks. I'm just going to go into the videos. I will try to have a little break between them to tell you what's coming up or, or that kind of a thing. The creation people put on these little videos usually before the Trek celebrities for like Data, for Brent, uh, for William Shatner, of course, and for John Delancey Q. And I will have those. That'll be a good transition point for each of the show or each of the uh, talks that they gave. Uh, I think that's it. Uh, I hope you enjoy this and it hopefully gives you a little taste of what the convention was like at Wizard World yesterday, uh, just outside of Chicago, not technically in Chicago, uh, but close enough, uh, right by the airport there. So uh, next week we are going to be doing, or I am going to be doing, uh, a live fifth anniversary of Treks and Sci-Fi. Going to be on Ustream next Sunday, uh, the 29th, I think that will be. And I am going to, I think, shoot for probably 1 p.m. Central Time to start that. Uh, I will have an official link and information on the main website uh, with how you can view that. And it's just going to be a lot of fun. Uh, those of you that have listened and watched uh, Treks and Sci-Fi for a while will, uh, will know all about that and how that all works. Usually I have a few little contests and just, you know, talk about a lot of different things. And I don't really have a specific subject right now, but uh, I'll come up with something by then. Uh, anyway. That's it. Uh, it's still a little early here on Sunday. I want to get to editing this video up for all of you, and I hope you enjoy it. Hopefully, uh, since uh, you know many people can't go to these conventions, this will be a little fun for you to watch. Uh, I apologize if the audio sometimes is a little hard to hear. I was kind of back in the audience for most of the recordings of this, but I think it's 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 definitely listen listenable and watchable. And I think you'll have some fun. So uh, check it out and enjoy. And I will uh, talk to you again next week on Treks and Sci-Fi. And bye-bye. And enjoy the rest of the show. Bye.
how did I get a good accent? And I, I, I do think that the accent was good on Buffy. It was an English accent. Uh, and I did have a dialogue coach for free, and his name was Tommy Head. <laughs> and he, he came up to me one day and he goes, We don't say it like that in practice. <laughs> I home. I'm going home to England. I've got, I've, I've got to hold my head up now. You, you can't say that. Because they, uh, word I got wrong, but it's an important word, bollocks. Got bollocks, yeah. Because they misspelled it in the script. They spelled it bollocks. Because they didn't know either. But, and after that mistake, he said, you know what? I'm taking over. And uh, so we went over the script together, and he gave me notes, and, and he was he was both very firm, but very loving. And he's a good man. Jim Butcher, the uh, author of the Dresden Files. Oh, yes. <laughs> it may, quite frankly, be one of the hardest things I've ever attempted because um, what I like about those books is that you, it's basically Harry Potter as Sam Spade. <laughs> and you have all of the interesting fairies and wings and vampires and all of these creatures uh, skittering around Chicago. That's another reason I love it. I love Chicago. Yeah, hell yeah. And, uh, uh, but at the same time, you have this film noir uh, kind of approach where the hero is always beaten and tired and over it and basically telling everyone to go away. You know? But he's still a really decent man. And so, there, so if you can get both of those things into the reading, it's kind of, you know, it's Saturday morning. You know, that, that kind of dry, gritty stuff, along with all this, it's, it's really, it's the counterpoise that if you can do it.
you see me, you're asking the same thing. <laughs> wow, where is everybody? This place is empty. Uh, is this a hand mic? It is if I walk around with it. No, you can't. Okay. Well, I'll just stand here then. Uh, I could use a little light, couldn't I? Yeah. Uh, no, that's not working either. Okay. You know, this is all from Highwayville. different locations, I think, because it all looks just like this. This could be anywhere, uh, but at least you're here with me. Um, you know, I was thinking, what are you doing? You taking a movie? You gonna post this on YouTube? <laughs> and I'm glad you're here. <laughs>
fighting for good. And, and that's that's how you do it. So heavy on the clown makeup and, and the gold powder. There, there's no clown makeup. <laughs> <laughs> you want to go heavy on something that I didn't suggest using. <laughs> Eased off of it. 
episode, the two biggest names on the show were Will and LeVar. Nobody else, if you know anybody else, well, perhaps you've heard of me. But, uh, <laughs> no, I doubt it, seriously. I mean, nobody, Patrick and I, nobody was really, you know, they were the hot ones. Will had done Stand By Me, and, and LeVar, of course, was in uh, the, the Raw the Floor story. There you go. So I hope you aren't offended by that person applauding. <laughs> okay. uh, yes, sir. Really strange. I should be an actor. Well, that was good. Childhood memories just keep Childhood memories I keep creeping back. Also, I can't contain the journey machine in my own mind to have to point out that you played a robot now Robert Fox with this the voice of Ratchet, so. Okay, wait a minute. You've got, to, you've got to pull the mic a little further away because I'm, I'm not understanding you. Either that or you've got to speak English. Simplemente was a word for the boy by the name here. See, I know. My question is just um, with the, the um, death of Data in uh, Star in Nemesis, yes. was that kind of your. Uh, was that kind of, did you do that for artistic reasons or was like, I don't want to see this makeup chair again? And also, after the, um, let's be frank, less than stellar reception of Nemesis. Was yeah. there ever talk of like, like maybe, I mean, obviously there's no talk now, but was there ever a point where you guys were like, hey, we should do another one? You know what? Uh, we always thought we should do another one. Uh, it was only Paramount Pictures who disagreed with us. <laughs> and, and the reason they disagreed with us is not because of the death of Data, because who knows if he really died. Uh, did we see him blow up? No. Uh, we had an idea for another one, really. Uh, but um, it wasn't the less than stellar uh, reception of the movie. It was the less than stellar opening of the movie. Because that's what they based it all on. It, it didn't open. The, the fans didn't come. And, and so it wasn't because they didn't like the movie. They hadn't seen the movie. They just, just, I think they had enough of us. And that's what Paramount felt when the opening was not anywhere near our other openings. So, I don't really like talking about openings. Uh, no, I, I don't know what, I, you know, I, I think we're done. I, I would love to see us come back, but I think we would have been better just like about five years ago when we still looked like young people. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, we'll take any pictures. <laughs> I'm mean it this time. Security! <laughs> Drag this man out of here! There's no security? <laughs> 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 oh, how are you? <laughs> right in here. Well, by the movies, I could, or he could feel. Right. Uh, it didn't. I, you know what? It was really simple because I, I was always on the mind that David did feel. He just didn't know it, and um, I, I felt like I could just do nothing, and the audience would be in a kind of symbiotic uh, creation with me, and they would paint the emotions on me because there would be moments in the show where. 
I literally did nothing. I mean, I would just like let my mind be free of any thought or feeling. And I would get letters from people saying, that moment, I could see how much you were feeling. <laughs> and I thought, this is easy. <laughs> I can do that again. <laughs> and is that what I was feeling just now? <laughs> Well, 
Good to see you. You still here, Glenn? Glenn? Glenn, no. Uh, is that your folks there, you with? Well, did you eat in the Mexican restaurant last night, too? Did you send your child over to bother me? <laughs> I'm just glad that Mr. Stewart wasn't there. Well, actually, Mr. Stewart was there, but Mr. Stewart, the younger. Mr. Stewart, the knight. What? It, it, he does this thing where if he's eating, and you come over to him, and you say, Excuse me, Mr. Stewart, I hate to bother you. Then don't! <laughs>
so knowledgeable, it, it's hard to imagine. I worked for about five years, and I'll say with David Kelly, David E. Kelly on uh, Boston. Number of people clapped about Boston Legal that did about Bleep My Dancing. About 70 of you are going to watch Bleep My Dancing. Um, so, David E. Kelly is really a genius. He wrote uh, uh, about 10 years ago or so, he wrote um, The Practice and then that funny one. I think it did. So, he he wrote Ali McBeal, and he wrote um, uh, The Practice. Now, on Star Trek, <sighs> he didn't take a breath, he said the words. Um, we would have, oh, maybe a writer for every uh, episode. Sometimes they would write two. <clears throat> and, and for 22 shows, we'd have 22 maybe 15 writers, but a lot of writers. David Kelly wrote 22 uh, practices and 22 Hollywood deals one year, 44 scripts, and got an Emmy for comedy and drama the same year. And he wrote all the scripts. A genius. So, I got to work with him. And in uh, that series, as I would, uh, and I've never heard of this happening, although it may be happening on, on believe my dad says, uh, where the performance, where he sees me in what we call rushes, that's the day's work of the film. That's, that's how, anyway, the point is that these two guys and the legend of, or legion of, of, uh, of writers that they've hired are fabulous. And I'm like, I, since David Kelly and them, they're the, they're the brightest, most knowledgeable, and they're young. And here's the, here's the mystery. You know, Mozart wrote a symphony. I don't know if it was a symphony. But he wrote it. Four years of age, he was writing music. How did Mozart, the kid that just, you know, uh, who's barely toilet trained, is writing music? These two guys who've never been in front of an audience except which an audience tells you whether it's funny or whether it's working, you know, sometimes they're getting a little restless, oh, well, better cut that out of the right result. In a, in a play, you would do that. How do these two guys know so emphatically and, and, and so vividly what will make somebody laugh and move? And write efficient, quick dramas. How do they do it? How did Mozart write that thing? And, and the, the theory behind Mozart was that his father was a conductor, so when he was in utero and his mother would go down and hear daddy conduct this symphony or whatever it was that daddy was conducting, Mozart heard it. And when he came out of the womb, when he was a, an infant, he was already musically bad. These two guys, have, and I just discovered this, and they were discovering it themselves. These two guys, both, their mothers, David Cohen's father, is Buzz Cohen, is a famous comedy writer, 
cats would go with it inside his mother's tummy down to Paramount Studios where they were filming so many comedies and inside his mother's tummy he was listening to comedy. So these two guys, they're in their middle to late thirties are geniuses. And the writers, they gather, they're coming! And I'm walking around thinking, what's the truth of this moment? <laughs> How do I combine uh, the truth, I gotta do the truth, with Big Funny? It's tough, tough, tough in the home. Tough in the home. I, I don't know quite what I'm doing. In addition to that, on the floor with the four cameras on, 200 people, not the 400 in the audience. There's 200 people, the relatives, agents, they're all walking around, they're all standing around. Like if you were standing, and I'd be here, this is the relationship. And I'm, what happened to the fourth wall, where I'm supposed to be somebody else? Hey, Bill, that was funny. <laughs> it is the weirdest experience. But it's so funny that I'm so excited about what you will think when you see it in a month's time, I can hardly, uh... And then there was another, another uh, the, the two guys, and it turns out that John Muhammad had meant to hear more about, yes, Star Trek. <laughs> but so I, I'll talk on any subject you What is your question? Mr. Shatner? Yes, that's me. I'd like to say that uh, Free Enterprise is one of my favorite independent films. <laughs> <laughs> First, what was it like playing a caricature of yourself? Oh, that was me. <laughs> and uh, secondly, would you have ever been interested in performing a one-man, all-musical version of Shakespeare's Julius Caesar? <laughs> uh, how many of you saw Freedom? Uh, the same number of people who Well, Freedom was an independent show at that these two young guys who had, when they were growing up, this is the real thing, these are the producers, uh, Mark and Rob, Mark. Yeah, that guy. Uh, so Mark and Rob grew up together, and whenever they came to a situation in their life that they couldn't figure, they would say, what would Captain Kirk do? And then they'd do something nice to, you know, solve the situation the way Captain Kirk would do. And uh, so when they grew up and they started making movies, they decided they would write that script. And we did it, it was called Free Enterprise. And it was, it was quite successful and, and, and became a cult favorite. And, uh, and it was out there for a while. The, the addendum to that story is, um, last month, two months ago, they came to me and they said, uh, we've got the money to make Free Enterprise 2. Would you be in it? I said, no, I, I, I But you have to be in it because it's Shatner, uh, this will allow me, I'll, I'll try to abbreviate this. Shatner goes to rabbinical school in order to become a rabbi so they can mar he can marry us. Or marry, you know, Rob or whoever they're going to I said, no, I don't know. And they said, well, here's a lot of money. <laughs> uh, 
I will answer any of you want to ask me. Yeah, I Let's get where you know. <laughs> <laughs> what do I think of Chris Pine? I think he did a fabulous job. I really mean that. I think he did a terrific job. Um, uh, he comes from an acting family. I just saw him in a show at the Taper. Um, uh, wonderful actor. Really brought a lot of himself to the role. And I think that we're all very lucky to have a new Kirk who is as good as he is. And also, for those of you who know, I've had so many requests about, are we going to be doing more of them? Leonard and I sort of decided not to, because after a while, it just became selling. Uh, you know, it's, we were not salesmen. We had a great time putting these, these audios together, uh, also the shows for Sci-Fi Channel, but then it became selling. And so we stopped doing it. But just in the last week, um, a friend of mine who's been asking me for a very long time said, you have to start laying down the tracks of the great poems, the great short stories, the, 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 the great Halloween, the great Christmas thing, blah, 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 blah. And I said, you know what, I'm going to do it. So you're the first to know, I'm going to do it. You know, the, the, uh, the raven and the, the rhyme of the ancient mariner and the, I don't know, I'm just going to go through all of them. And, and lay them down and what they do with them, we'll see. I just want to get into selling them. I'm not going to say Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Now, I'm a huge Q fan, and I know you did a lot of work on Generation, but I really loved your dynamic with Janeway and Voyager. That was one great Well, the problem with, uh, I really enjoyed um, uh, Voyager uh, because I was working with Kate and it was a nice crew and what have you, but there was a big, you know, 800 pound gorilla in the room and that is, is that the, the, the powers that be did not want Janeway to be, quote, falling in love with Q. And I kept on saying, no, but that's what the audience sort of expects. So, so you know, it's, it, you can always just get closer and closer and closer <laughs> and not do the kiss and get away and then play that on over and over and it'll be, add a lot of tension to the show instead of right off the bat her having to be like, oh, no, 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 so, so because of that, the dialogue was never quite as snappy as the dialogue, I think, with um, Picard. The, it was the dialogue with Picard where the two of us didn't have to worry about whether we were romantic with each other. <laughs> so, uh, why was I only in one episode of Deep Space Nine? I don't think that the story for Deep Space Nine was particularly good. And um, as a matter of fact, my feeling is, is that while there are only nine episodes of a uh, few episodes, <clears throat> probably only four of them or five of them are really good. Maybe only three of them are really, really good. <laughs> uh, and I just think that that was a very weak one. And, um, you know, a lot of it has to do with chemistry. Also, some of it has to do with the ingredients that you have, what you can do with it. And um, I'm, I didn't miss the fact that I did not go back on uh, these 
space time. Thank you. I was just wondering, uh, what was it like working on the TV show Breaking Bad? Because that was a very gripping role for you, and I, I, I did like that. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I was asked to do a, a television show called Breaking Bad. I just auditioned with this tiniest little improvised little scene. And the casting director, Sharon Bialy, is a wonderful casting director. And uh, as I left, she said, um, because there were a bunch of other people auditioning, she says, I hope this works for you. Uh, in other words, I hope you get the job. Because if you do, you'll, you'll get to do some things that you don't usually get asked to do. Uh, I get asked to do things like that in plays, but not for a big general public. And I got the job, and it was a dream job for me. Because there was an, there's an enormous, uh, for those of you who know the show and those of you who don't, I really recommend that you see the show. It's um, uh, Vince, uh, Vince Gilligan, I don't know what things are. Um, Vince Gilligan is the writer of the show, and um, he used to be on X-Files. He's, he's so attentive, so that when you go onto the set, everyone is there, everybody works. Uh, we shot a scene, of, now for those who know, when I, when I find my daughter uh, sleeping uh, with the, the kid, uh, and I, you know, I, or out there, what have you. That scene is a three-page scene, maybe not two and a half pages. In regular television land, that would be shot in about three hours. We shot, started at 10 o'clock in the morning, and we shot until 7 o'clock at night with two camera crews. And it's just a lot of attention to detail, and you see it in the, uh, in, in, the, in the product at the end. It's a wonderful show, and I would like very much to go back. Whether I do go back, I, I don't know. Yes? I, was, I felt like I was going to start talking about Canada. <laughs> okay, yes. As a uh, Star Trek Next Generation fan and as a Superman fan, I've got to get your take on this question. Q versus Mr. Mixes Pitley. Who takes it? Q. And guns. Hi, this is Walter Koenig, and you're listening to Treks in Sci-Fi Podcast. Is it okay? Yeah, we both work together on that uh, website. It's, it's a podcast that uh, I do each week, primarily about Star Trek science fiction and entertainment. And I was contacted by uh, this company, Blue Water, and said you had a new project with them. Uh, yeah. Maybe you could uh, just tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, let's see. When I try... When I try to synopsize my work, I go astray. So okay. if, if you don't mind... No, that's okay. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> the, uh, I have two projects with it. One is, uh, is to republish a, a series of comic books I did in the 90s called Raver. Right. And I'm going to add a new story to that, and they're going to publish it as a graphic novel. Okay. 
The other is a project called Things to Come. It, it's a post apocalyptic. You know what I mean? Yeah. Post apocalyptic story that involves vampires. Okay. But it's 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 I think unique. I think it's different from anything else that's been done so far. And uh, for the for the purposes of brevity and uh, being concise, I'll just read to you what I wrote. Okay. okay. That'd be great. Called Things to Come, 200 years after the apocalypse, the human race, buried in the bowels of the earth, is a few tortured breaths from extinction. It, it offers up one last gift to the poison surface, and the mutant life forms that survive there, a new species. Up until now, the creatures of fiction, these new beings must determine the purpose of their presence. Are they only the violent spawn of mankind's evil? doomed to his soulless eternity or the progenitors of a better, more hopeful world. Is it possible for them to tear the throats from their prey, drink the blood, and still pray to God? The story of things to come are the things to come. Now, the, the biggest question I had, did they have this concept idea, or did you work together on that? No, the concept is, is wholly mine, exclusively okay. mine. Okay. I, I, what I want to do is, I, I, is do a feature film. I, you know, I, I have one feature film that I wrote and produced that is it's in stores now, called Inalienable. And yep. uh, I've discovered how difficult it is to uh, reach that market and get films done. One way to, one way would seem to be to circumvent uh, all of the, uh, uh, the difficulties in the. Uh, trying to get a project done is to, uh, to go with a uh, graphic novel. Uh, certainly is not a sure fire formula, but it, it lessens the odds a little bit, lowers the odds. Yeah, the inalienable was distributed on the internet first, correct? So right. is that what you might be thinking about doing with this? I haven't been thinking about that yet. I haven't got there. What I would like, of course, is a feature. I think the story is is uh, different enough and at the same time viable for this you know, for this time that uh, a feature film the money could be raised particularly if we have a, a graphic novel to show just where we could go now would you with Raver being reprinted would you be thinking of adding to that at some time or? I'm going to add another story oh you are okay yeah and that is also going to be under blue water yes okay great is that due out also next year? Yes. Okay, that's wonderful. Yeah, I'm a big comic book fan, so I'm really looking forward to that. And uh, it sounds uh, sounds good. I know you've uh, written some things before. Yeah. I have your novel, uh, Buck, Buck Alice and the Actor Robot. Which is coming out as a radio drama in November. Oh, that's wonderful, With too. 45 actors. That's, you know, audio, yeah, audio these days is, is a great medium. A lot of books are being, you know, Read and a lot of uh, added things are put into them, effects and things like that. So Absolutely, yeah. it's, it's a wonderful medium. Uh, my wife wanted me to ask you, uh, kind of I thought was a, a different question, but in all of your years of doing conventions and you know working on Star Trek, of course, and Babylon Five, and you know all the other projects you've worked on, are there is there any particular question that you never really get asked, and you say, "Boy, I'd really like to talk about that," but I never get asked, or we. Do we come up with pretty much 
I think everything that involves you know those those uh, those areas of my life has been asked. Yeah. I mean, there are perhaps some ideological questions that haven't been asked, some philosophical questions, some political questions. Yeah. But that's it's, it's never the right format anyway. You know. You always get all the you know what's my favorite episode, yeah. who was fun on the set, who wasn't fun on the set. Yeah. And, okay. you know, yeah. yeah. Well, I don't want to take up too much of your time. I'll let my listeners know about your projects. Please do. And uh, it was a pleasure to meet you, and, and I really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Thank you. My name is Rick. Rick Gosti, and this is my information here. And, uh, you know, just uh, really tried to uh, you know, support what you guys do, and I've always enjoyed your work. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Walter.